Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I'm very excited today to have a special guest with me. I've actually had him on before. I'm talking to Darren Bailey. Darren, how are you doing? I am doing great. It's a beautiful day in Southern Illinois. Thank you. It is. I've been out and about outside with my boys already. It's a little bit muddy, but we're getting some good work done, so that's good. Um, why don't we go ahead and pray, and then we'll get, get started. Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for Darren and all that he's doing in Illinois. I thank you that he did some great work for us this last year in so many different ways and into this year. I'm excited to hear that he is running for governor of the state of Illinois. And God, we know that kings rise and fall through your work and through your decree. And we trust God, even when we don't understand what's going on in politics and around the world, that we can trust in your sovereign hand. I thank you that Darren knows that. I thank you that he wants to wield the sword for the good and not for the harm of the people. And I pray, God, that you would give him wisdom as he continues to work in Illinois Senate. And I just ask that you would give him wisdom and along with other elected and appointed officials in this state. Lord, we want to honor you in this conversation. We trust that you're going to lead us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, Darren, I think my listeners already know a little bit about you, but I just want to check in and see how things are since you've announced that you're running for governor. We, we talked a little bit just a second ago, and things have been a little bit crazy, but why don't you explain why you are running for governor of the state of Illinois, and then just tell us how things are going so far. Okay. Well, first and foremost, uh, uh, obedience to Christ. I mean, I, I, that's it with us. Uh, why else would I uh, want to step out? I've got a, an amazing office in the Senate in the Capitol. I've been put on some amazing uh, committees, uh, and, I, and I love the work we're doing as representing the people. So uh, having a, a godly spouse who is there to uh, catch sometimes what I'm not able to, uh, being able to help nudge me on to be able to left me in prayer, um, I mean, that's, that's first and foremost, to carry this message of hope uh, uh, to, a, to a lost and, you know, floundering people. So, you know, yeah, like you said, many people are aware of my passion. I believe uh, Illinois leadership is uh, lacking drastically, especially the Republican Party, of uh, boldness and courage. Uh, I haven't been afraid to say what needs to be said. I haven't been afraid to do what needs to be done. And uh, just simply, just simply in these trying times, I mean, um, with my four children and our eight or 10 now grandchildren, uh, you know, I'm very concerned about their future. And as I've said from day one, I don't want to go to Texas, Tennessee, Florida, or anywhere else to be visiting them during, uh, during the holiday seasons. I want them to stay right here and be able to flourish in our area. So, um, you know, we spent some time uh, last year looking for someone that we could get behind. I've talked, I've had multiple conversations with everyone who I believe is probably going to throw their hat in the ring uh, for the Republican primary. And I was not satisfied. Uh, mm -hmm. Too much talk of compromise, too much talk of yep. get along. And that's exactly what has got us to where we are. So um, we've, uh, we've spent a lot of time in prayer and fasting. And, and, and uh, some time ago when, I, when we made our announcement for the governor's race, I'll have to admit that was one of the hardest weekends of my life because I knew that all I had to do was say no. I had the same opportunity and the same desire when I first ran for state representative. Mm -hmm. uh, 
wasn't so bad stepping up to the Senate seat, but doing this, knowing that I could stay and term limit myself and be comfortable as a as a as an Illinois senator and continue to be a voice and represent people, but also knowing and realizing that uh, you know the platform is much bigger, uh, obviously, uh, with the governor's seat yeah. and knowing that that it believing that it was uh, it this is a calling. So simply being obedient to that. So Amen. I love hearing that. It sounds like you want people to know and love Jesus and follow him and obey his commandments. <laughs> That's what we're missing today. And that is the key ingredient, love. I believe yeah. the lack of that is why we have the, uh, the social, the racial, all the problems that we have today is because of the lack of that. Yes. Uh, theologian Edmund Burke says, all it takes for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. Yes. And I have been tired of people lacking courage, of lack of courage from the churchmen all across the country, of, of lack of courage just saying this is what God has to say about it. And then to see a lack of political backbone all across the country has been so disheartening. And it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like there are true representatives of the people. And so to see what you're doing and even last year fighting and taking up in battle against J.B. Pritzker, Governor Pritzker, and, and fighting for uh, – uh, against the unconstitutional mandates that he was making um, with mask mandates and closures and all of that was so refreshing. And uh, I'm sure you got just as many critics as you got fans from that. Um, but anybody who does anything is going to get critics. And if you're scared of critics, well, then just stay in your house, basically. Um, okay, let's talk about a couple things. Uh, let, let's go Illinois politics real quick. We'll go to federal politics and then we'll go to the local level because we've seen, I think, how, how crucial local politics are over the last year and a half uh, and, and the interposition. And uh, we'll give a plug to the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, what local sheriffs can do, what local mayors can do, what lo local city councils can do to push back against evil and unconstitutional edicts that come from higher magistrates. And so we'll get to that here in a little bit. But first, um, there is great concern. We know as Christians that trajectory of history is moving towards victory, victory for Christ himself as he rules, and he has all authority in heaven and earth. And as we are living out the Great Commission, we, it ebbs and flows, and it looks like at times we're getting kicked in the teeth, and there's blood on the battlefield. But, but uh, through that spiritual warfare, the kingdom of God continues to advance. And I have great concern as a pastor in Southern Illinois for my children and my children's children. And I want to build a culture in my home that's rec uh, you know, replicable, that my kids want to replicate. And a part of this is education. We homeschool. We're committed to homeschool. And the way the Illinois education reform has, has gone, it's, a, it's almost impossible to make a case for Christians to keep their children in the public schools. Um, I want to hear what you have to say about the, uh, the recent Illinois education reform, talking about gender fluidity, talking about the goodness of homosexuality and gay sex, even and sexual education from the age of pre-kindergarten forward. Uh, do you have concerns about the Illinois education reform and what are you going to do about it if you're elected governor? Absolutely, I do. And I want to remind uh, your listeners that, um, you know, I spent 17 years as a, as a school board member from now. 1995 to 2012 here at Louisville, the North Clay School District. And then shortly after that, my wife and I founded Full Armor Christian Academy uh, that's in existence today and we're, we're maxed out. And, and there's many other Christian schools, private schools starting in almost every community. So yeah, um, we, 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 it's an amazing, the tactic that's being used and it's, it's called erasing history. And we know how important history is, as you alluded to. And, and that's exactly what's taking place. You know, we're supposed to learn from our history. It's important to understand our history. And, and um, that's being taken away. 
many of these uh, school programs, many of many uh, bills that are even written uh, and going to probably be uh, coming to the House and the Senate floor this year, um, you know, are, is, is, is aimed at taking and replacing the thought process of our, of our young people. And it's very concerning. You know, we have the, uh, the uh, cultural learning standards that the JCAR rewrote the rules, not even a law. You know, that's, that's one thing that uh, really concerns me is that Governor Pritzker has figured out a way to usurp and bypass the legislative process. And, and that's called, uh, you know, rewriting rules. So he uses either Illinois Department of Public Health or in this case, uh, Illinois State Board of Education to rewrite rules uh, to be implemented into our education process. And that's what happened uh, here a few, uh, about a month ago or so when uh, JCAR uh, failed to shut down these rules. And it's called, uh, you know, cultural learning standards. Hmm. Uh, we had a small victory because so many people reached out. Uh, this was all supposed to be implemented and go into place immediately. Hmm. However, now that, uh, that goal for implementation in the classroom has been pushed back to 2025. However, immediately, colleges are beginning to teach uh, teachers uh, what they must do. And essentially, there's no goals. There's no standards. The, the root of this is that there is no right and there's no wrong. Whatever you believe, whatever you think, whatever you think you are uh, is correct. And that's dangerous. So, um, so no, we're simply seeing our educational process uh, being hijacked. We know this is a spiritual battle. We know that we're not wrestling against ultimately flesh and blood, but uh, uh, we're seeing an avenue and, and some boldness on the uh, side of the left to come, what I believe, hijack and steal uh, the educational process of our children. So, so we simply have to stand up. We have to educate the church like what you're doing. People have got to stand up and speak out. Yeah. And many people and many elected officials they're afraid of the consequences because if this doesn't go well for them, they might not get reelected. Mm -hmm. If someone, you know, on Facebook, people are scared that if we voice our opinion, the truth, um, that, uh, you know, will be mocked, ridiculed. And so people cower at that. Yeah, they do. And, you know, this attack is aimed at our children and the destruction of the nuclear family. And as, as you know, government has different forms. We have civil government, we have family government, we have church government, we have self-control, self-government. And those spheres of government have been completely neglected and tried to be redefined, trying to be redefined by the state. And it's deeply prob problematic. Our, our country will only be as healthy as its households. And if fathers aren't being fathers, mothers are not being mothers, children are not growing up in the discipline, the instruction of the Lord, or even just learning that two plus two does not equal five, you know, like two plus two equals two. It, then everything's going to be, and what we see is a tragic breakdown of the family over the last 60 years and for several, several reasons. And we see the consequences of that where we have people at Harvard talking about two plus two can sometimes equal five. Tragic. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. Even this morning I read, uh, I got an amazing book and I just, I want to share it here. The hundred Bible verses that, uh, that made America. And my reading was from May 17th, 1776. And it's entitled when politics got into the pulpit. Hmm. It talks about this uh, gentleman. That, uh, many of us have heard of John Weatherspoon and he originally mm -hmm. came yep. here to America yep. uh, to, to the, you know, the Presbyterian college of New Jersey, which later became uh, Princeton. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, he is uh, what he did, the work that he did speaking out, telling the truth. Um, there's a lot of rich history there that ultimately, uh, you know, uh, drove, 
of the movement to create a new nation here. So yeah, absolutely. It's pretty came from the church. A lot of people forget that. Yeah, they do. And I think, uh, I think, okay, I'm 37 and my generation has grown up in what's called two kingdom theology and two kingdom theology basically says that Jesus reigns and rules in his church, but his reign and rule does not bleed out into the world. And it's a, it's a, it's a misunderstanding of the reign and rule of Christ. Jesus is King, not just here, but Jesus is also King over everyone who denies him. And they are going to stand and give an account for how we have lived our lives, whether we have rejected Christ and rebelled against him, or whether we have embraced by his grace, what he has called us to and in repentance and faith and the work of Christ. And so it, it, a lot of this is theological where we don't have a, a biblical understanding like John the Baptist that called Herodias and Herod out for his sin against God. And we don't have a framework for that. And so we, we have been theologically void, I think. So, okay, let's talk uh, about another attack on the image of God itself. Um, the, the, you know, the more noble something is, the more seductive of a false gospel it is, and more the enemy hates it. And the image of God is under attack when it comes to gender, when it comes to identity, the separation of biology and sex, and our biology and gender, sex and gender, which is just absolutely insane. I mean, in the year 2020 or 2000, we would have never thought that there would be a separation of, of gender and sex and, and just a wild thing here. And we get back down to even just the basics about life. Thou shall not murder within the 10 commandments. We were not to take life. We get this addition or this idea of abortion in 1973 wrote Roe v. Wade, which was not a declaration of law, but it was an interpretation of law. Um, and here's what's driven me crazy, Darren. Um, we think regulation of murder or putting more red tape is an ultimate victory rather than the abolition of murder. We don't talk about the regulation of, of you know, first degree murder. Uh, we, don't, we shouldn't talk about the regulation of abortion. It should be, we're aim, our aim is to get it completely outside of our state and call it what it is. Um, what's your stance on abortion? Are you going to fight to get it out of our state? I think I know, but our people need to hear. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the importance. Ultimately, that's the, that's the work that we have to do uh, coming up to 2022, these elections. Uh, we have got to make sure that uh, um, we are educated, that we are, that we get out and we work hard to make sure that our friends, our family, our coworkers are registered to vote. They're educated and they ultimately show up to vote because I'm telling you uh, the votes are out there. Uh, to, to retake the House, the Senate, and the governor's seat. And once we do that, we have got a lot of work to do and uh, in repealing and shutting down a lot of this nonsense. So, yes, I go to the uh, Planned Parenthood facility over at the Fairview Heights quite often, and it is sickening to see um, plates from Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Arkansas, Kentucky. They're all there. And it's, uh, it, you know, 60, 40,000 people 40,000 lives each year being snuffed out here in Illinois. And now you and I, when we pay our taxes, we're, we're, help, we're paying for that. Yeah. Uh, 60 million uh, since abortion was legalized. And we wonder why we have a problem with our social security system being funded, why there's pension problems. Because we've got generations of taxpayers that aren't working, earning money, and paying taxes. Yeah. It's disgusting. Right now, as we speak in Illinois, there's a, there's a House bill and a Senate bill. I'm familiar with the Senate bill, 2190. And the whole purpose is to repeal the Parental Notice Act of Abortion Act of 1995. And what this does, the, the exact words are that, uh, so right now, any minor under the age of 18 must have 
parental notice to the doctor. Eight hours of having an abortion, uh, the minor, anyone under 18, must, uh, must have the consent of a parent, a grandparent, or a step-parent. So uh-huh. this takes away. No more, no more age limit, no nothing. Uh, a pimp, a, 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 an uncle, anything could bring a, 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 a little girl into an abortion clinic, and, an, and if the little girl consents, uh, the abortion uh, can be performed. This is the perverseness of the Democrat Party. I mean, yeah. this is because all this stuff boils down to party lines. And even in the past, there have been people need to do their uh, their research because there have been some Republicans that have uh, uh, you know voted liberally on some of these bills here in Illinois in the past, and and they're going to be they need to be called out for this. So no, it's it's perverse. It's there, there's no sense. There's no reason in this. So yeah. now one thing I will, I will say is, as I talk to uh, many people, uh, and there are some really awesome programs, but one message that I would like to give the church, uh, until we can literally eradicate these laws. Uh, my question is to the church, what are we, what is your church? What do you have access to? What are you doing in your community to be able to take a, uh, a young girl or a young lady who is a, has an essentially an unwanted pregnancy or who is concerned about that. What are we doing as a church to take that, to offer an alternative to an abortion? Yes. Essentially? What are we doing to take them in, to help them get educated, to give them housing, to help them ultimately maybe even put the child up for adoption? What yeah. are we doing? So there's a challenge that I'd like to give to the church uh, that yeah. we should be working towards until uh, we can eradicate this grievous sin uh, from Amen. our book. Amen. It's been it just absolutely crazy to see that the Baby Born Alive Act, just at the federal level, gets turned down and how evil and how desensitized the American public and the politicians and it is, it's unconscionable. It is absolutely unconscionable, the level of evil and the fact, and this for some of you listeners and for some new listeners, this may sound even crass, but we have serial killers in our midst being paid big dollars through taxpayers to continue to do something that's completely legal. And it's, it, it's, it's hard to even think about when you begin to consider the details of second and third trimester abortions and all abortions for that matter and how wicked, wicked they are. And I'm so thankful to hear that you're fighting for that. And we, we receive that charge. We have to be considering how are we taking care of, uh, of these women. And um, literally how the Democrat views that. They believe that, uh, well, don't give the abortion factories an option. You know, that's literally, they, they, they believe in the freedom of choice that, well, here's the option. And unfortunately, that's the easy option because I've, I've engaged in many conversations recently, just trying to wrap my mind around the thought process. And that's actually the answer that I'm given though. So recently it stuck and I thought, well, okay, uh, you know, we've got work to do until we can turn this around. So let's start encouraging churches to, uh, to come up yep. with an alternative. Yeah. And I, I cannot stand the response that some people get. What about rape and what about incest? Those, those options. And, you know, the, the simple answer is execute the perpetrator of the crime not the innocent one and the autonomy of the body of the human body does that not does that little does that little girl in the womb or little boy not have rights and the the definitive answer from the democratic party and and many just just ignorant people of reality is that no no absolutely not they don't have any human rights at all and um that's what we have to fight for um yeah yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's turn to gun control. There's a lot of people, uh, heavy topics today. <laughs> there's, it looks like there's a gun safe right behind your left shoulder right there. Um, I've got I've got a gun up in my wallet. My father-in-law just an old 12 gauge that he made and gave me years ago. 
World uh, War II relics hanging a little bit higher. Uh, there we go. I see so, that. Yep. Yep. I, uh, um, have encouraged more and more people to get their concealed carry license. Uh, have, we have people that I know, friend, I'm friends with, that are just straight constitutional carry, just read, read as the Illinois Constitution reads, as the, as the Second Amendment reads, the, hey, we have a right to keep and bear arms. Um, anything that goes beyond that is unconstitutional. And, and they obviously, I wouldn't say any names, but we've got them. I've got friends of mine like that. And uh, they've got a point. Um, H.R. 8 just passed the House at the federal level and has moved on to the Senate. And it is a basic, not basically, explicitly, um, I mean, pretty much banning all person-to-person -person sales, inheritance, uh, um, passing on guns that your grandfather gave you down to your child or your grandchild without, uh, with, I mean, without it being in a registry, but by default, because you had to do a, um, a background check on even those exchanges. Uh, at some point, I mean, our church disregarded the mask mandates and we disregarded the social distancing. We've been gathering and God has grown our church. We've got people that have been become Christians and our church is really just maxed out right in the middle of Carbondale in the blue dot in Southern Illinois. Awesome. So awesome to see. Um, we have, have disregarded laws that are unconstitutional or they're not all laws at all. But, but when it comes to these gun laws coming down the pipeline, you come to a point where you just can't disregard them anymore. They bring them to your doorstep. And so what are your thoughts on HR8 and further gun control? And, you know, if you're the governor of Illinois, just like there are in Missouri right now, after they, after a city council in a county, Missouri, read the book, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, another ch shout out, their city council and, and their, their county politicians and, and officials by a 24 to nothing vote decided they were going to become a sanctuary county for gun owners, and they have the liberty now to actually have the commissioning now to arrest federal agents who come in to try to enforce that federal law if, if, these, if these laws come into effect. Uh, what, what are you going to do about this? I mean, as a, you know, we're becoming a sanctuary state for, for gun laws. Or are we going to reverse all the ridiculous stuff that's happening in Chicago, which for the life of me, I can't understand wherever the highest gun laws are, are you have homicide rates that are through the roof. I mean, the logic is just unbelievable. So do you share that concern? And what are we going to do about it in Illinois to ensure Second Amendment rights across the board? So the answer to your question is yes, absolutely. We've got a lot of work to do. And historically, when you look back at Republican governors and, and the two Republican administrations didn't have it 100%, had the governor and had the House one time and had the Senate another in the last 30 years of Illinois. Uh, when you look at that, uh, when Republicans got the position uh, to do something, they did nothing. They did nothing because they were scared to death. They weren't going to 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 win, you know, election or or keep the power in two years. And guess what happened? They didn't. They got kicked out. Right. Uh, we've got a lot of serious work to do. A lot of this. And this is what I've been finding out. You know, uh, my through my uh, my my Facebook page and my uh, web page, both be, uh, of which can be accessed to Bailey for Illinois. Um, it's education. People are hungry, and people in the northern part of the state. Have, have, we've had weak Republican leadership up there. So no one has stood up to, to speak the obvious because they're scared of the consequences. Mm. We already have this process in, 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 in part. You, you go to the um, Illinois State Police, you print out a form, you, you write the person's uh, FOID card number down, and then you submit that. And that is the proof of the transaction, the personal transaction. So this is like taxing bullets. This is like, this is one more link in the chain that... Uh, uh, that makes it harder on gun owners and and opens the door for more 
you know, persecution and prosecution. Don't hear the stories. Here some time ago, a Chicago area against there was a felony committed and they tracked uh, the gun serial number down and they found out that it was stolen quite some time earlier from a Chicago area gun store. Okay. The owner didn't report it. That Right there's every one of these laws that are being passed. I associate a lot with having a cut on your arm and you put a Band-Aid on it uh -huh. a little bit later if that hurts a little more. You put another Band-Aid on before we got 15 bad, the problem. We're not addressing the issue. Um, there, there are no cases to be pointed at to, to prove that these laws uh, failed. You know, they'll even right. Illinois current background change. It is working. Things are fine, but people want people want solutions. People want answers, especially up in the northern part of the state, because they're not properly educated on on the firearms, on our current laws, and and people like U.S. Congressman Adam Kinzinger that calls himself a Republican, uh, you know, gets a press pop, and I don't know what the person's looking for. If he's looking at a presidential run in 2024 or a Senate run, I don't know. But there's always something behind the motive. Usually, mm -hmm. if you're not literally standing up for the people, right? And what he did. Uh, one out of uh, eight Republicans, uh, in my opinion, is uh, is, is is grievous you yes. know, to the Republican Agreed. cause. Republicans believe in freedom. We don't raise taxes. We believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's being taken away. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, let me ask you a real simple question. Um, do you and your wife know how to balance a personal budget? <laughs> I'm a farmer. Uh, we don't spend more than we make. Uh, when we have a problem, you know, we, we, we address it. Uh, we don't charge, uh, we don't charge. My wife had retail business for years. We don't charge customers more than they can afford. You shouldn't be taxing people uh, more, more than you need. Uh, when there's a problem, you, you're honest about it. You address it, you deal with it, you fix with it. I served on the North Clay School Board for 17 years. Every one of those years we had a, uh, a we operated in the black. And as a matter of fact, when I got off, we had more money than when I started. I'm not taking credit for that. What I am taking credit for is being a part of an awesome team, communicating to the public and spending and, and responsibly. That's so good. no, we can't do that. Neither can government. Illinois is indeed 100% the highest, most burdensome taxed state in the union people are leaving that's the proof business is failing to come in that's proof and uh, that has got to be changed the, the, the democrat stands up on the house and the senate floor and uh, claims that we have a revenue problem what that means is we need more of your money yeah uh, republicans uh, claim that to know we have a spending problem let's spend within our means let's change some of these burdensome mandates on business that 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 you know doesn't attract business. Let's get business in the state. Let's get people working. When people work, they make money. When they make money, they spend money. And when they make money, they pay taxes. That's how we uh, restore Illinois. Yeah. The, uh, the lack of understanding of, of basic economics, basic money management is absolutely astounding. The, the level of incompetence and the level of spending is, it's, 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 you can't even comprehend it. Just the average person in Illinois, if we were to replicate the budget of Illinois, if that was our example, it would completely destroy everyone's household completely. And year after year, uh, we just, it's, it's insane. It really is. I can't, I can't understand it. But, I encourage people to go to ILGA.gov. That's Illinois, uh, uh, government website, ILGA.gov. And just go to the, go to the house members, go to the Senate members and read their biographies. 
and look at how many people that you believe are actually qualified. You're going to find out that uh, many of these people, uh, the only qualifications that they have prior to legislative experience is maybe operating a, a non-for-profit organization up in the Chicagoland area, which that's, you know, that's good, but no, uh, such as you said, no, no, people have never hired and fired. People have never really, you know, had to perform a, a, a budget to keep their business alive. Right. And just check out the real life experience. Uh, some of these people have been involved in politics from day one, got out of college, got involved with the legislative process, and then just went up the ladder from there. So the common sense uh, that we have in, in the state government. Yeah. Okay, well, for your sake and for my listeners, I want to encourage people with Romans 13 real quick. The arguments last year about what are we going to do when the state governments tell us to shut down, um, I want to really give a charge to local pastors to think about local politics and think about their response to unconstitutional um, laws or mandates that come from, from anybody, really. And also encourage them with the fact that anything the government commands us that God forbids or any, anything that they forbid that God commands, we are obligated, as they did in the scriptures, to obey God rather than man. Always we obey God rather than man, uh, no matter what the cost on that. And one of the things, the central debate that all my, my peers in pastoral ministry had to wrestle through this last year was Romans 13. Every person is in subjection to the governing authorities. And one of the things I had to encourage our people with is that obedience to that commandment looks different depending upon the type of government you are in. Are you citizens of a country or are you subjects of a country? If you're in a monarch, if you're a subject of a state, it's going to look different. You still never command, you never obey the commandments of men. You still obey God rather than man, no matter what. But the first three words of the United States Constitution are what, Darren? We the people. Meaning we, the people, have governing responsibilities. We have civic yes. obligations. And when we lay those down, it's we who are in violation of Romans 13. We have yeah. to understand civic obligations. We are not subjects of kings. And so when we pretend that we are, when we give un, un, you know, unchecked authority or act as if that anyone has unchecked authority, we're in violation of God's word. Real quick, um, children are told to obey their parents in the Lord. There's no qualifications given, and they are to obey their parents unless their parents tell their children to do something wrong. Go steal that, son. The son should say, no, dad, that's a violation of God's commandments. Wives are called to be subjects to their husbands. They are sub to be subjected to their husbands. Now, that rule is to be as Christ loves and gives himself up for the church, but there's no qualifications given. But we all inherently know if a husband is expecting his wife to do things that violate God's commands, then she should clearly not do that. Right. When it comes to government authority, we are to be subject to our governing authorities, of which we are a part. And that's the American thing about, that's the amazing thing about the American way is the power of the king is pushed out into these three branches. And those three branch branches of government are given authority because we, the people, have given them authority. So the king's power moves out to the people. It's a wonderful thing. But we all know in these other two forms of unconditional commands given to children or to wives, that that doesn't give unbridled authority to parents or to husbands. Same thing with the federal government, the state government, and the local government. And pastors, I want to appeal to you and plead with you to understand Romans 13 rightly, properly, when the government wields its authority to punish, to punish good 
and rewards evil like is happening, then they are actually in violation of being God's servants. They're not being God's servants. They're being servants of the devil. And that's what we see. I don't know if you've seen this with James Coates, Darren, up in, in Alberta, Canada. I don't know if you've seen if if uh, pastor if you've seen that Pastor James Coates is still being held in jail as pedophiles are being released. Have you seen that case? Yes. And that's what it ends up happening when pastors are just no, nope, get in line, you know, don't speak back. Well, the fight is going to be brought not just to our doorsteps but to our home. So, Darren, I want to give you an opportunity to speak. I just spoke to you and to the pastors listening in. What's your appeal? You've already done that a little bit. I want you to appeal to people just like me who are pastoring churches. I want you to appeal to lay people who are good, faithful members of of churches. Uh, Yet again, why are we to be involved in the civic realm? Yeah, we live in a constitutional republic. And that's very important to understand that because we are on the cusp of becoming a socialist republic. And if we allow that to happen, those very freedoms that, uh, you know, uh, and principles of our Constitution, they will be taken away. So, um, you know, I am very closely associated with David Barton with Wall Builders. And if if no one is is, uh, familiar with that, man, go to wallbuilders.org and start checking in on some of that stuff. Because uh, there is an amazing booklet that takes about 45 minutes to read and and actually about 10 percent of the pages are dedicated uh, to the sightings of, of going back into the, you know, uh, early writings and of the constitution and of our forefathers and our, you know, uh, articles of confederation and, and so on. Um, what is so amazing is, is again, our history. No wonder that, uh, you know, our history, people are wanting that to be forgotten and rewritten because, um, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, the first three engagements of the revolutionary war, Trenton, Lexington, and Concord, uh, those were, church, church that stood out. A preacher stood up, said enough's enough. The English are coming in here. They were in some of the cases looking for uh, John Adams and John Hancock. They met him and said, hey, you're not coming here. And the, you know, the Black Robe Regiment, you know, our, our history is just, it's soaked, it's immersed in the church, stepping up, doing the right thing. I'm being invited all over this state. I was in Lake Zurich, uh, Quentin Road Bible Church, uh, uh, look them up and they are, their, their programs televised on uh, Daystar and on TBN. And I got to, you know, I got 15 minutes to speak up there and the preacher stood up and he said, no, we don't, uh, we don't endorse, uh, candidates or, or, um, or parties. And I can understand that. I can appreciate that. But he said, but I just want you to know, this is what, uh, I'm doing now. His, his wife is my first cousin, but okay. uh, active church, but we're, we're having that opportunity all over the state. It's amazing. Churches yeah. are, and we're, and when we, when we stand up, we're, you know, it's a call to me because I'm the guy. No, you preach truth from the pulpit that you, you get involved. You understand the truth of God's word. You understand uh, Romans 13 versus the constitutional Republic concept that we are indeed the government, we, the people, and that's what changes everything. Yes. And, we better get our act together. We better the, the the solution, the change, the restoration of Illinois. I believe, and Cindy and I believe wholeheartedly, it lies within the bounds of the church. There are up to a twenty to thirty percent of uh, Illinois voters who Illinois residents who are either not registered to vote or they simply haven't showed up to vote in the last ten years. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, we have over three million FOID card holders in the state of Illinois. The yeah. FOID card needs to go, but the the a, a winning vote for a uh, Illinois governor is around two and a half million votes. Think about that. Something's wow. not right. We 
people have, have become complacent mm -hmm. and churches in the most part have become complacent. Yeah, so we need to, we have every right forget the 501 C three. As a matter of fact, if the government wants to come and take that, let them have it, let them have it. God will bless the church. And, uh, the church is the church is protected in our constitution. We don't even need the five hundred one c three. But anyway, yeah, yeah. current understanding. Whole another argument. Uh, stand up and uh, for what this country was founded on. Uh, the men and women over two hundred fifty years ago that sacrificed, that died, that, that put their fine fortunes on. All we have to do today is simply stand up and speak up. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think uh, we have certainly got to realize that uh, I heard somebody say recently, they said, well, my pastor doesn't preach about politics. And the response was, oh, okay, well, he doesn't preach the whole counsel of God then. Because Jesus, awesome. yep, Jesus is king over J.B. Yes. Pritzker. And J.B. Pritzker, as we stated before, will stand and give an account to a holy God. And the Great Commission, Darren, you know this, is that we are to baptize and teach the nations. The church has lost its prophetic voice to the nations because we've taken an almost Amish-like position on things in the public mm. square. And we have stepped out and we have not said, thus saith the Lord, um, bow the knee to King Jesus now before it's too late. And so we have got to realize as, as a church that God, and for the pastors listening out, if this is, is new for you, I want to encourage you to read Abraham Kuyper's Lectures in Calvinism from 1897. Um, and uh, he spoke, I believe it was Princeton Theological Seminary. He was, uh, uh, the Dutch Reform Movement kind of came from, from Holland. And um, he was uh, just a great pastor and statesman. And uh, I want to encourage you guys to get that if you're kind of confused about how all this, this works. Well, Darren, this has been a lot of fun. All these links I'll put in the show notes with David, David Barton. I'll put your uh, campaign. And is there anywhere else that we would need to go? Any other links that people can go to to check out? Um, what can we do to help or to think about um, how we can help to support your campaign? Or just tell us what we need to know to find more about you. And you mentioned something I want to touch on, the, the Amish theology. The Amish are waking up. We've got a large group up in the uh, Arthur and Arcola that I've been meeting with. We've got a group just south of me in the Orchardville area. Wow. Uh, the elders of the groups are coming around, and they're saying, what can we do? And they're, 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 they know what they need to do. So wow. we're praying for that organization because they're, they're getting it. So, Amen. Uh, for Illinois.com, that's our main uh, web page. Get on there. Some people don't have Facebook. Well, all of my streams are fed on that. Uh, I've got a, a two very important uh, parts on there. Uh, there. There's one about volunteering. If you're interested in volunteering, that's the way uh, for us to capture your information. We will have our, our, our camp, one of our, our volunteer director get a hold of people for help. Uh, and then uh, if, you're, if, if uh, you're interested in allowing me to come and speak, uh, there's a, there's an events uh, page that you can click on and put all your information in there, uh, leaving it on texting, put it on our Facebook feeds. Uh, we've got, we're losing too much because we're getting too much uh, interest and reply. So, uh, and ultimately uh, I am very much available for any people groups. I will come uh, anytime. Um, I'll, I'll even give you so all my information is on baileyforillinois.com. Uh, if you've got a people group, family group, church group that uh, we can come and speak with, uh, there's a, there's a, you know, a long road to haul. Uh, we believe God's called us to this. I've had people call and pray with me and, and many times talk about, you know, that, that the money's going to come in slowly, but surely just like the 
ravens that brought the food to Elijah. Uh, we believe that, but we're getting um, we're getting the attention of a lot of uh, a lot of people. So uh, you know, probably the the big money is not going to kick in. A lot of the Chicago um, people won't uh, won't get involved until after the primary. But up until then, uh, getting the messages through uh, you know. TV through media up into the Chicago area, it costs a lot of money. So uh, we're just, we, there's a place to donate online or you can uh, get a hold of us. You can mail it to us. At, again, the address is on there or you can contact us and we'll get uh, get a time in the schedule uh, to come down with Cindy and I are all over the state. If, if, uh, if we're not there, it's because we either haven't been invited or you missed us. Uh, we're in all four corners of this great place. And, and you know, typically the primary is a year from now in March. Uh, it is believed that the primary is going to be pushed back probably to June or July because of the census uh, a problem. So, mm -hmm. and, and the remapping process. So that is a whole other legislative process. People are asking for signs. We're getting all this stuff, but, but it's a little early for that. So okay. uh, in September, when I pick up the petitions and, and, and start collecting the 10,000 signatures that's needed, that uh, that will begin when a lot of this stuff rolls out. But in the meantime, We've got a lot of uh, interesting things to share and give. Just to reach out to baileyforillinois.com, get in touch with us. We'll get in touch with you. Okay, that's fantastic. Guys, when it comes to right and wrong, it's not political. It's about the law of God. Get out there, preach the gospel, and uh, support uh, people like Darren. Darren, I'm so thankful for what you're doing, and uh, keep, uh, keep fighting, brother. I appreciate, appreciate it all. We've been talking to Darren Bailey. Thanks so much. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.